Welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified host, Steve Lucky Luciano, bringing you heat delivered direct from the street. Today, on my right, I have Chumahan Bowen, elegant barbarian, Southern Californian, and American Indian. And on my left, as always, we have Sean Lewis, certified audio professional and engineer for the show. Indeed. And here we are, a pleasant Saturday afternoon, Costa Mesa, California. So, who's coming up? Oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> so, who's Listen, coming up? guys, we did a fantastic show the other day. I had a guest come in. It was a fucking quarter pounder show. It was a quarter pounder show. A long man. show. A long, very long show. Um, this is one of the closest people to me on the planet Earth. It's like a brother to me. We built businesses together. We entered the apparel business. We entered business in general together at a young age. We know each other from high school. This guy is responsible for the L.A. Fingers. Pioneer photographer of the whole la street wait, wait, culture when you say la fingers describe the that la hand fingers that you see everywhere on he, everything on everything they're building a, a fucking statue or something of that yeah, over, over on Boyle the heights yeah. exactly this guy created that he took that picture holy shit 20 something years ago <laughs> yo this guy's okay, listen this guy is also he's got his art all the way from the museum of modern art right this guy's traveled the world managing Groups like Cypress Hill, yeah. House of Pain. Yeah. He's traveled in Iran, Iraq, take pictures with the Taliban's in jail. In Afghanistan, jail. Afghanistan. He's got Japan and taking pictures of the, the full Shogun. And, I mean, this guy <laughs> has traveled the world with his camera and ran with the most infamous people and shot them. And I mean, and, I'm and so talking, now from there to L.A. gangs and has a passport into every hood in the world huh. and is captured. Awesome. These people's lives. So in this episode that we did, everyone's going to get a chance to get an in-depth, intimate fucking tour up of close. that guy's li- up close. Yeah. Everything. And this guy's one of my best friends. I love I invited it. him in. I love it. So we are going to get to hear direct, direct right here, uncut, unfiltered, the truth. The real story. It was such a big story, we had to break it into two. So this is the first episode of Esteban Oriol, photographer extraordinaire. Extraordinaire photographer, DJ, band manager. I mean low rider. Low rider builder. Yeah. Right. This is the guy. We're gonna get the famous Esteban Oriol right here, right now, on the Hard Luck Show. Let's listen. How long? So you've known each other for 30 years? Yeah. 
maybe um maybe a little longer than 30 years i mean look at uh i met esteban back at under in the underground nightclub scene in los angeles uh through a cousin of mine um the under what is the underground nightclub scene like what what makes it underground but which is the big after hours where they were just renting out warehouses in downtown los angeles and yeah we're like underage what year was this pretty much this is uh the 80s man this is the 80s and we weren't even of age and they had clubs like the odyssey and the country club and Three, hollywood 321 in santa monica is it like one of those things where it's like you're not gonna get in unless you know where it's at there was a lot of those too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, I and I'm showing up at a lot of these clubs yeah. fucked up. Stevan was too, but he was on when what? we were young, just on everything, man, on drugs. And but as we started approaching like the 2021, 20, I'm showing up getting fucked up. Stevan's working the doors. Right. 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 So I, I mean, this dude was constantly like saving my ass out of some mix or fucked up or I'll get you right. I'm like. But he was always like stable, like working, right? Like, right. And then it was just like, then he'd be like, "Come to this other spot. I'm gonna DJ tonight." You know, like just, you know. And he would, he was like, "I'm busy getting into trouble and fucking up." But Esteban was always like, somehow he'd always be around, but he'd have his shit together, right? You know? Yeah. So I always kind of started looking at Esteban like. Also, I knew he was like a work dude. The dude was always working. Then he'd and get up in the morning, work, and I did. I did respect it. So I always knew, like, I just had that respect for him. I knew that, like, he was working late, and he was gonna get up in the morning and go to work in the morning. So, Discipline. but he kind of would try and pull me away from like the drama, right? And more like, you know, I don't know, man. It was weird. It was kind of like set me up in a way to like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, he was kind of like. He was on like a path, but we were in the same place, but I wasn't on a path. Right. So you were on a path. I was on a path. I wasn't on the same path. And so I end up I end up going and doing a county year, right? In the county. Yeah. And I me and Esteban were already friends. I I I get out of the county. I got nowhere to live. I'm living on my buddy, my buddy's couch, because they'll let me stay there. What what did you get sent to the county for? It was a bunch of stuff. It was like a, a robbery and assault. It was like all these different little cases that caught up to me. Yeah. And finally, they were just like, you know, I, I I showed up and I was like, I'd rather just do the time. How long were you in the county? They gave me a year and I ended up doing eight months on the year. And what's the difference uh, doing time in the county versus like prison? It's all different. Like the county's just out of control, man. It's just what like do you it's mean? like just like there's just a bunch of craziness going on. It's it's What's some crazy shit you saw just, in county. Just crazy stuff. Most, just all, most people would say like, oh, prison. That's real time. County. That's chicken shit. That's um, what most people think. It's just a lot of politics. A lot of uh, people are coming and going. You could be with anybody. It was just a, a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. Which we'll get into more. Yeah, all right. But um, I get out of the county and I'm I'm living on my buddy's couch, and Esteban's right there when I get out, and I'm like, I'm like, hey man, I'm fucking. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I think uh, I think it was right before Jess was get got pregnant or something, and and Esteban's like, listen man, you want to work? Because I got a job. If you want to work, you come work with me. And I'm like, all right. And so 
sure enough, he's like, all right, I'm going to pick you up early and we're going to work. And but sure enough, this dude, he had a little car, motorcycle, whatever he was rolling, man. This dude is show up at like five in the morning and I'd be get Come on. And uh, he just had a work ethic about him. He was like, come on. He fucking got me on the job working construction with him. Now hold on a second. What it, what what were you what were you driving? Like how hard how hard was it at that time when 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 Lucky came out of county? He's like, man, I don't know what to do. And you're like, you want to work? Like how hard was it to try to get Steve on a straight and narrow at that time? I mean, it was. It's always hard to get somebody on a on a <laughs> no, to, but like, but Steve like how he said he had a plan. I had a plan. My plan was different. Yeah. When you're trying to get somebody that's on a different plan on your plan, it's always a, a mission, you know? So, you know, there's always that thing where you can't help somebody unless they want to be helped. Right. He wanted it in the sense that he would even get up, you know? Like, how many people are getting up at 5 in the morning that say, hey, I want a job? Right. Yeah, you really want a job? We'll get up at 5 in the morning and we'll go to work until right. 7 o'clock that night. Right. And then if you're really down... You can come with me to the club and mm-hmm. you can work one of the doors. Mm-hmm. Right. There you go. Is that what happened? Exactly what happened, bro. So that that right there shows showed me that, okay, he does want to do something, you know, and he is a kid on the way, you know, I, I don't know if that was at the time, but I just knew that we we're doing this and, and he wasn't the only one. There was like two or three other friends of mine that, that I would bring in and mm-hmm. We had a boss named Zerga, and he was... His name was what? Zerga. What kind of name is fucking Zerga? I think German or something. Yeah. Zerga. Yeah. Eins Feidrei. It was nuts. He was a big old corn-fed white boy, like six foot three. Just. Estevan, pick up those planks. But he, you know, he was from over here, so he didn't yeah. have no accent. Oh. No accent. Esteban, pick up those planks. <laughs> <laughs> Zerga. He was just like the, the coolest dude. Like, we would... Um, we would work and he would pay for all of our food. So we'd all, we'd always eat good. Yeah. And, or mm-hmm. like sometimes he'd be like, Hey, what do you guys, you guys want to do some uh, boxing today on the lunch break? <laughs> what? And we would, and we would bring gloves to work and box during lunch. What the fuck is that? Hey. Yeah, brother. Dude, yeah. I'm going to turn, listen, he listen. He would go heads up like me and him. You, Chris, you, wait, hold on. Come Chris on. and, Chris and, or Zerga and him, Zerga <laughs> and me. Doug White. There's another one, Doug White. Jay. Doug White. Let, we all go heads up at lunch. Let me, let's set the scene for a second. I want to get this clear. I want to get this, this. What you just said to me sounds fucking crazy. You got Zerga, the construction man, who wants to have a fucking boxing match with his dudes. that just got All right. So, okay. So Steve's like, ah, oh, you know, he's got nothing going. He's got responsibilities. Mother, child coming down the pike. He needs to do something. Yes. All right. And so and I'm looking to Esteban to save my ass. Esteban's the stable dude. He is. He's making it happen. Right. He's getting up at five. He's always making it happen. Right. I'm like, I got to be with this dude if I want to make it happen. Find out the motherfucker that's getting up early and ask him what he's doing. Exactly. Got it. And then you got, what are you driving at that time? Like, what did you go pick up this big guy? I was uh, driving a, like a little red Toyota truck that I bought for 200 bucks from my friend. Yep, that was it. That was it, dude. He didn't want it no more because he was like, this thing don't work. And I took it to get a, I took it to my mechanic and he just tuned it up for 80 bucks and we were on the streets. So, yep. So for two. Like, the little truck ran great, bro. Like a bro. Paisa, like, Got like us straight, straight up Paisa. We were right. straight up Paisa right, moving. So 280. 
You got a little red Toyota. Right. God bless the Japanese. Those fuckers can make a car. And you're like, I'm going to pick up my giant buddy, Steve yeah. Lucky. Who I wasn't is so giant back then. Oh, oh, yeah. No, he was giant in another way. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So he goes... He and you drive up now. Where's this construction job at in Los Angeles? Where's oh, it all at? over. We'd go downtown. We'd go to Santa Monica. We'd go into the hills because we'd go to uh, Melrose and build out stores. My my friend here like was a designer and like uh, and he you know he designed it and he built it, but he did it all in his head. Like we would never see any plans or anything. He would just tell the people like, "Hey, I want to do this, 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 and this," and they go all right, sounds great, you know, go for it. And they give them the money and... For like a store? Yeah, like stores on Melrose. We'd make their yeah. sign. We'd do all the, the so build out is, inside. So people who are listening and don't fully understand, you're talking about like on that Melrose Avenue strip right. where you've got nothing but stores. And honestly, and I At that time, they were, that was the, the shopping place. Fairfax was, was still like a Jewish street. There was no shops on Fairfax. Right. Right. Like there was Sunset Boulevard right. and Hollywood Boulevard were the were the entertainment streets. Right. And sh uh, for shopping, it was Melrose and Rodeo. And if everybody right. and if everybody hears the noise in the background, what's basically going on is we're eating power bars, protein bars. We're throwing Lenny and Larry power protein cookies at at Angel, no. who is the we're better looking half. <laughs> no disrespect, uh, Esteban. Uh, and then Esteban, you know, so we're all about investigating. We're protein loading. We're protein loading. Okay, so then this guy would would be like, now Melrose, that shopping district that you're talking about, right? Uh, this guy would be able to design the store just on site, and he didn't have any blueprints and all that other that's bullshit. Not him. And you had, had stores, head. right, Steve? On that's Melrose. how this happened. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, that's how this happened. All right, all go right. Ahead. we ended up. We ended up. We're getting to that. <laughs> so we, we started building this one guy is a little jewish guy he had uh three houses or he had three stores he had two stores at that time on melrose mark fox and he saw us and he was like hey man it'd be cool to do a a store like with your guys kind of culture on on melrose because there's none of that there because what he did was like the tight uh worn out jeans for 100 bucks and like the the old leather jackets that were like used, but he'd sell them for like five hundred bucks. Like right. the whole Mickey Rourke, Mickey Rourke era. Okay. Like the biker. When he, when he looked. Normal. Let me back it up a minute. Yeah. Well, me and me and this guy take on a job with Chris Zerga. Zerga. And we're doing a job for some little guy named Mark Fox, who's made a ton of money. Okay. But me and him aren't sure of how the guys made the money. We're up in his house, and he's got this Hollywood Hills house, and he's like, "I want the bathroom all black granite." We're like, whatever the job calls for, we're doing it. Right. So we're designing this black granite bathroom. The entire bathroom is made of this black granite, right? Got it. But this is Chris Zerga. Every now and then, <laughs> he act like a three-year-old. He'd get upset, right? About what? He'd get upset like... He had an anger issue. He had anger yeah. issues, man. He had anger issues. Oh, but come listen, on. Oh, dude, but listen to... Zerga has I, anger issues and he's German? Yep. No. And so, I don't know if you ever work with this this black fucking granite stuff, but yeah, it has to be cut. So you're cutting and you're fitting all these pieces perfectly together. Okay. And you're setting them with the grout and everything. This takes time. Right. And you might get like a corner done in eight hours. 
Right, because you got to cut it. You got to glue the bottom. You got the right All bar. that, bro. It's, it's crazy. Right, right. It takes time. And we're working with this guy, and it's like work, walking on eggshells. If oh. the guy's had too much to drink the night before, oh. snorted a little bit too much cocaine, oh. he's coming in in a bad mood, right? Oh, no. So I think he told me, <laughs> yeah. go get a two by four. And I think I came back with a piece of plywood or something, right? <laughs> hey, man, this guy takes a hammer and just throws it full on into the, and destroy, he destroys the bathroom what? in a rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over then a he piece picks of up wood. something else and just starts barreling in and just tears apart the work that we've done for like a week, right? Holy shit. Yeah. All red face and upset. What does a guy like that do right when after he's done and he realizes what he's done? He starts crying and then he wants to hug you and cry <laughs> and he'll go get something to eat, right? Okay, so, so we would go through stuff like this, right? So, anyways, we're coming to like we're coming to like the close of this job that's taken a long time and working. Uh, and I think at that point in time, as this job's coming to an end, yeah. So what if mugs gets at you and hits you up about yeah, Mugs Mugs hit me up. He goes, "Hey, I got these white boy rappers that uh, they're about to hit the road, and I want you to road manage them." And I was like, "Okay, cool." White what, boy rappers? Who who was it? That that was at that time. It was there was Vanilla Ice, um, Third Base, Third maybe Base, one or other two more groups, and I was like, "Fuck, what is this gonna be?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> Third Base. That's an old school mm. callback. What was that? What was that song they had, Sean? Gas, Gas Face. Yeah. Gas Face. Remember that? So imagine, like in those times, and he's telling me, "Hey, I want you to work with these white boys." I'm like, "Fuck." You know, what's this going to be like? And it turns out to be Everlast from House of Pain, which I knew him from working at the clubs because he used to come with uh, Ice-T and um, Evil Lee and, and Hen G to all the clubs like with the Rhyme Syndicate because he right. was part of Rhyme Syndicate. So I was like, oh, cool. Everlast? Yeah, that's 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 perfect. That's legit. So I told, well, Muggs told me, you know, you won't get paid at first. You know, like the first, this summer, you won't get paid. But we'll take care of all the plane flights, all your hotels, all your food. You won't spend no money. But I had money saved up from working at the clubs and doing construction. So was Zerga the crazy man? Yeah. So, but hold on a second. So you're saying Mugs? That's DJ Mugs from Cypress Hill. Yeah. How is he the one that's managing all that? Because he was the one who put the group together, and made all the music. Got it. All right. Cool. So it was his group. He got him signed to Tommy Boy. So then, I tell Zerga. At that time, I, I was working with Zerga during the day and Bolt House Productions at night. So okay. I went to Zerga and I said, hey, Zerga, I have this opportunity <laughs> to go on tour with this band for the summer. Is that cool? You know, because I'm going to quit my job and to go work for free. Mm -hmm. right? And then he was like, yeah, man, you always have a job with me no matter what. Like, you're my best worker. Like, you know, whatever you need, I got your back. Like, yeah. If you need to work. Come to work. If you need to go take time off, go for it. You know, I, I'm not going to hold you back. So then I went to Brent Bullhouse and I go, hey, man, I got this job. But, you know, if it doesn't work out, can I come back? And then, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, like, yeah. go handle that shit. So I wanted to make sure that my my home base was taken care of before I, you know, set off. And so, see, that's why you think Estevan's the stable guy, because he gets this crazy opportunity from somebody that's, you know, able to hand out an opportunity instead of just most people would just hit the ground and be like, peace and just chase that thing. But he went back and took care of 
and did the proper respect. Yeah, and everybody's wanting to fuck with him because everybody really wanted Stefan around. So because he, he was, was good, stable dude. right, right, right. Now, right, what's right, going right. on with you at this time? We're just he he's leaving to go on tour, and and I guess you know that dude Mark Fox is like we're always working. He's always wanting to talk to us and <laughs> in the peril, and he's just like I don't know, kind of picking our brain and shit, and yeah. kind of on the jock and. And now this guy's getting ready to go on tour, and um, Mark Fox is kind of like, hey, "Man, I, I want to do another store on Melrose." And, and the guys, the guys made a bunch of money buying used leather jackets and used five hundred one jeans. So this is in that the late eighties, the early nineties when that look was Mickey Rourke, Carly Davidson's fringes. Right. This guy cashed in on that whole look. Mark Fox. Mark Fox. Yeah. And then he wanted a different store and kind of like you know pitched him on a friend of our cartoon a friend of ours cartoon who was an artist yeah wasn't a big tattoo artist at the time he was an artist yeah he hadn't started tattooing yet Mm-mm, no and uh we got a story about that though yes because my first tattoo is by Esteban. he did my first tattoo. Esteban did the first tattoo yeah, oh man. we got to get to that the cartoon wasn't even tattooing when this guy made a homemade tattoo gun Holy and we we're already experimenting right in your house holy shit. right ahead of the game yeah but um and so uh he me and him end up having a talk about a about apparel and I'm, you he's and having me, me and mark fox and now this guy's taking off for tour and i'm like kind of like i don't know what i'm gonna do the guy's giving me a little bit of extra work at the house right just because he feels bad right and when i go to get paid we go to air one for lunch and he hands me a check and we're talking about clothing and the next thing you know two hours later we're going and looking at uh, retail spaces. What did you but, say to him but, in that two hours man, that got him to be like, you know what? I just basically told him about kind of the places that we were going to shop and the clothing that we were buying and putting baby cuffs and Levi's and Raider jackets and like this shit we liked. Hold on a second. Because me and Esteban were showing up at at, 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 at that whole that whole Hollywood scene, either working or showing up, and we didn't look like everybody else that right. was up there. Um, what did everyone else look like? Everybody else was was trendy and doing their thing. It was like we kind of brought like that whole hood element. So this um, is the beginning of that hood element being noticed for a style or an aesthetic from the outside world. Yeah, the the dudes we were fucking with, what we were into, what we were listening to, what we were doing, um, was just. It was a little bit different. Let me ask you a question. At what point, seriously, you're talking, okay, so Esteban, right, he's like going off with fucking Everlasting. It sounds great. That it, The whole thing sounds cool. It just sounds cool. Yeah. And then you're like sitting there. At what point when you're talking, because you are, I mean, if there's one guy that can smell an opportunity, it's Steve Lucky Luciano. I mean, you you know, like when you're starting to, like when it's time to paint a picture, like you got a good idea where we're going. So at what point when you're talking to Mark Fox, are you realize, oh, okay, uh, this guy, this guy, I can I can sell this idea to this guy and get something out of it. I didn't know until about halfway through that conversation. <laughs> I just knew he was into it, and and there was there was uh there was a part there was uh as we're talking though the part about Esteban is Esteban's going on the road with House of Pain. Right. He's tight with mugs. So one of the first things that we, that we kind of like put in our heads together was like, we're going to get the clothes onto the tour. We're going to get the clothes onto 
the video shoots, right, Esteban? And yeah, this is like, and then we're gonna get their merch because I was running the the merch. You know, I was a tour manager, so my job was to get the band to the show, get the band to their interviews, you know, get the band checked into the hotels, give them their per diems, and handle the merchandise. Right. So when it came time to we started touring and the store was opening up, I brought their merchandise into the store. So right. now you don't have to go to the concert to buy a Cypress Hill shirt or House of right. Pain shirt or posters or whatever. You could buy it at the Supermax the, store. The, the, the flagship store kind of that we had. Right. The flagship. Right. I love the sound. You know, of like it. we had that shit in 19, what, 92? 1992. That was, that, so that's what they mean in the old school business term synergy. That's what you guys figured out. You guys could cross pollinate the opportunities. One is you got a stale shop to sell the, the merch. base. And you've got access to a new market because Esteban can bring your shit out to wherever he's going. Nobody was putting apparel on artists in music. Yeah. It wasn't happening, man. <sighs> this is before fucking uh, LL Cool J is wearing FUBU. Yeah. This is prior to that, man. Nobody had this concept that's not cross paths with anybody. And we came up with the name. We had the artist to execute it. We had a store. And we're like, instantly, Esteban was like, all right, they're going to film this video. All right, they're doing Woodstock. All right, and we're going to put this shit on. And Esteban was like, not only is it going to get covered by media, right. I'm going to shoot them in all this shit. So it was like, like right away we were like, had a marketing pr way to market this brand. Without, without even knowing. We were like yeah, doing we, branding and marketing without even knowing what we were doing. We were just like... Hey, Lucky, I'm going to go to this video shoot. Bring a box of clothes. Right. Hey, right. Lucky, I'm gonna, we're about to go on tour. Bring the guys, you know, these sizes. We're going to hit the tour for two months. And, exactly. And it, that's how it was. You know, he would tell the guy, hey, I, I need uh, two boxes of free clothes. And the guy was like, free clothes? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm over here selling used jeans with cum stains, parts <laughs> and shit, you know, to people for fucking $200. And you want to give away free clothes? That right. He, he, he wasn't getting he get it, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, but I knew what, what we had, you know, we were going to be on MTV, TV, you know, fucking back then it was magazines and TV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you played your cards right, you could get in them or be on them. You know, you could right. get in a magazine or be on. There was no social media, so that was the social media. Yeah, exactly. that was it. But it was it was hard as fuck to be in that. Oh, they had people that they were controlling the access to those places, right? Yeah, it was, you know, you had to pay to get in there. Jesus. So, or you had to be the dopest motherfucker in the game to get in there, and that's what Cypress Hill was. Right. And House of Pain, you know, they right. had the, that, I think it was one of the biggest songs ever right. in, in hip hop, Jump right. Around. So right. with, with all that, um, you know, we were able to put everything, you know, all our little crew, there, there was a, like uh, Andy Warhol and them had a, a, a little circle of friends called the Factory back in the day. Yeah. They had fashion, music, right. art photography and and filming right you know directing and shit. i never understood his hair his hair always always seemed fucked up to me he was ahead of the game look at right. everybody's trying to do it now right. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of had that too in our circle yeah you know we had uh fashion yep. with the clothing lines we had music with cypress and house of pain and soul assassin yeah and we had me on the visuals and cartoon on the art yep so we we learned how to use all those vehicles and mediums 
like for everybody with the clothing if you know if we needed to be in in the press or in, yeah. in videos or whatever we had the cypress hill in them if we needed art for the clothing we had cartoon if we needed visuals for the clothing or for the the music there that's where i fit in you know so we had it all covered and we just we didn't put it together like that or think about it. We just fell into place and we just just did what was just natural. Did with it. And a lot of and and it was you know what was interesting is that we started getting copied. Like there were some I don't know, man. We didn't have formal educations, you know. We we me and Esteban got we got burned on a lot of different deals that we put together in the Damn. beginning, man. We you know what because because as I've come up in this business and I'll say this about Esteban, we've put our hand out to help younger dudes understand the business, show them, teach them. But when we were coming up in this business, what were they doing? Nobody. nobody. We're robbing, getting robbed. Everybody's just putting up like roadblocks for us. But you know, wait, wait, wait. So I know you guys said it one time. What was the name of the the company or the store? The store was Supermax. Supermax. Supermax was the first one, and and we got that shit hot and got it popping, and it was the hub and. And Stevan got it on everybody. I mean, we did it. Then he, we, they had the, everybody coming into town. He was directing other rappers and other people. I mean, shit, man, I, I have stories of of Tupac coming and hanging out, buying weed from me and taking pictures. And <laughs> everybody else, bro, was coming into that store, and we were doing what we were doing there, and that was working. So, well, let me get this straight, because maybe I'm a little fucked up. But what you're saying is, <laughs> you always say that. I don't know why I got that from Goodfellas. Every time mm -hmm. I was like, let me get this from mm -hmm. I'm Oh, I know where you got it. All right. So, what you're saying is, is you went from Zerga, the crazy hammer, putting in granite in the grout and granite to being on a road with Cypress Hill, having a store called Supermax, which eventually was selling weed to Tupac. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's an American dream right That's there. American That's American dream. That's you know what, what happened. That's what all those people in those poor countries and other places, that's what they're thinking about when they want to get on that boat and get over here. They're thinking about you go from Zerga to Tupac in the same city within five years or three years, whatever it is. Yeah. And but, I, the, but you know, back to the full circle, we yeah. had, you know, Zerga helped build out that store, you know, and yeah. no shit. Yeah, he came and built that store with us. Yeah. How proud of you guys was he when you hired him to he build this? He still is. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Like, he's, he's still a good friend of mine. Like, I love that. He's still, he's the coolest dude. Like, yeah, he is. He is. And he's always supportive. Always supportive. He, he's like, if you're, if, if you're the, if something happened to you and you needed somebody and you knew you had to have like you you could call one person and you know they would show up and answer the phone, he's that guy. I love like that. He's the type of dude that would answer the phone any hour of the day. And if you're like, Hey Zerga, I'm in a bad situation. Can you grab a G and bring it down here? You know, he would do that shit. He'd be like, Fuck man. Fuck, you always get me in some fight and then he'll go I'm, I'm on my way yeah you know, like, <laughs> he might get pissed off first but he's there now on now during this now you guys gotta imagine now yeah. check this out man yeah. this whole time though okay Esteban is I don't know man like it's Esteban had like a vision yeah like a vision and that vision he would share with me me and him would talk but Esteban had a bigger vision really through the whole picture of this thing, man. Like when he when when he kind of discovered cartoon. Yeah. Because 
I, I mean, a cartoon was doing other things, but when Stevan brought cartoon over into the equation, uh, Stevan already had like a plan. He hit me up and was like, dude, I got this. You got to see this artist. And it was like the apparel thing was going. He had that. And then the whole time, Stevan is is taking photos and it's kind of like either through communication or I could see through this guy's eyes. Estevan had like this bigger plan. And that was kind of as I started, I started to get a bigger plan of things through Estevan because like he was traveling the world. He was taking photos. It was all starting to come together. But I think the whole time Estevan had like a larger plan for things of how he kind of saw things working together. And I understood this to a point and wanted to help facilitate. And this is kind of how we kind of like, without saying it kind of bridged together and started taking these steps, man. But he had the pieces kind of in his head early on. Um, of how this thing could work. Right. And um, how did you get the bigger? I mean, was it traveling around that helped you get the bigger vision? Like, what, what was it about you, Estevan, that gave you the concept of how to organize these pieces like a chessboard? I just would uh, travel the world and see different things. I'd see how people respond to everything that we were doing. Like, in, I think, 1992 or 1993, we were already shipping clothes to Japan because, you know, the, the lowrider culture, it started in the 80s over there. Yeah. And it just flew. It took off. Wait a second. Hold on a second. Lowriders in Japan? Yeah, back then. In we, the 80s? In the late 80s, our, our, my friend How? Oishi, and then we had another friend, Tanaka, that was coming over buying clothes. I love that name, Tanaka. That just sounds strong. You know, I read an article about how big the Chicano culture is in Japan. I mean, they've got, like, music and everything. Right. What do you guys... What Steve, did you ever go to Japan? And We went to Japan. We went there a number of times. We went there together. You and Esteban. Me and Esteban. We went with a couple other friends, but we went there specifically to distribute... Um, our brand. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's set the scene. What the fuck? Listen, this is in like the early '90s. This is like '93, huh? Hestavon, this is like '93 or something. We went to Japan. How, how the hell did you figure out Japan was like hungry for this type of shit? Because we went there, and uh, I <laughs> went there with uh, in 1992 with House of Pain, and we did the we. That was when my first tour with House of Pain was like a promo tour, and we drove around in a van with a. Uh, a label rep and that's where we'd go around to do color college radio shows and different press at the same time there you know like we went on the stretch and bobito show in new york is out in the college um out there if like you wanted to break a record and get it out in the hip-hop scene you had to do the stretch and bobito show so that was one of the places where the record broke and it just took off stretch and bobito yeah those are the is names. Is that an English show? Yeah. It's uh it Stretch is uh Stretch Armstrong, DJ Stretch Armstrong. Oh, you're talking about the New York show is, yeah. is playing in the in Japan? No. He's saying that's when the record broke. Okay. Yeah, you had a you you couldn't just put your song out in Japan or go there and do a concert. Your music had a break first. Right. So our first tour was in the States and it was going to college radio and doing press. You don't get paid on none, none of that. So right. We went to those shows and it started to break on these different radio stations, like college radio. 
which was like more of a thing back then because there wasn't the internet and podcasts like what we're doing right now. So for people who were in that, so you had like, you know, I don't know what they're, you know, Brian and Bean and Brian, you had big name guys. Those are big name guys. And you had like college radio, which was like a step down for regular folks to try to like break through and was maybe a little more honest, a little closer to the street. You yeah, could get, it, was, it was cooler because it was the kids. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Or you go with the old men at the radio station. But that's the, that was the goal. So you had to go do college radio on these smaller stations before just to get your music out there. And you had to literally drive to each city <laughs> and go into these radio stations. But they didn't just accept anybody. You know, you had to, the label rep had to send the music or, you know, right. it had to be all set up. So we'd go and do these promo tours. And that's when the song just fucking blew out. And from there, we got on, uh, we were doing a couple spot dates at shows uh, at clubs, and then we got on a Beastie Boy tour, and we had a a seven-minute set. It was an intro, half of one song, and then uh, jump around. Did you meet the the Beastie Boys? Yeah, we were on tour with them. Yeah, were they cool? Yeah, yeah, they're super cool. And then uh, we get to L.A., and Everlast invites his mom, you know, because the song is going crazy now. It's on all, all right. the radio stations. Jump station. around. Yeah, yeah, it's like, dun, 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 the fucking, even in your car. <laughs> 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 totally. Now it's like an anthem, right? Yeah. Now it's like an anthem. It was an anthem back then. Yeah. 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 So we get to L.A., and the tour manager for BC Boys, he was a dick to us, you know, because we were like the the lower guys on the how would he be a dick like what would make him a dick like what did he do just like like little bullshit you know like uh give our guests um you know they give you like comp tickets yeah for your guests yeah he'd put them like on the grass in the middle (laughs) (laughs) that's cold just just to remind you like look you're the little dude right Right. daily it's just like a daily reminder what's his name let's go chase that guy down let's go find that guy so what happened was we get to la and Everlast gives me the guest list to give to him because he's running the whole tour. They they put the tickets in the uh, in the will call window and write the names on them and all that shit. And so Everlast's mom's tickets go to the will call. She goes picks her tickets up. She's way up in the grass, you know. And he loses it. He's like, he's like, yo, my mom's you know in the fucking grass. You, know, you don't put my mom in the grass. That's <laughs> fucked up, you know, like. This is the first time my mom's ever seen, you know, this show and you're going to have her fucking out there like that's bullshit. Go tell that fucking idiot to, you know, give my mom a pass to come come here backstage with us, you know. So I go tell the guy and he he's like, you know, it is what it is. Sorry, buddy. What? <laughs> and what, and it would, what would it cost them to let Nothing. her? What a you fucking get a, dick. You're allotted a certain amount of tickets and passes for each group every day. But it was just like a a thing, you know? A dig. What a dick. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, earn your stripes type shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, fucking uh, yeah, hazing or whatever. Moms are like kind of outside that, though. I mean. Every, yeah, no matter what. Right. It's like, yeah. it's, so. Everlast, after I come back and tell Everlast, hey, homeboy said, you know, it is what it is. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> he goes to the room and flips on the dude. Yes. And that guy gets scared and tells, uh, and he was a big dude. He was like six foot six, just like a like a big, like, just one of those, like, big dudes, you know, like, 
they're like genetically like <clears throat> different than everybody else. You're like, what the hell? Right. So Andre the Giant. Yeah, that mm -hmm. style. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what I was trying to think of. Like, yeah. who could I compare him to? But um, this this dude goes and cries at the Beastie Boys. <laughs> Like, hey, man, you know, I want to fucking kick these dudes off off tour. You know, they're disrespecting me, you know, and, and like, I'm scared, you know? I'm scared. So the next day we were off the tour. No shit. No shit. And it kind of made things like weird, like, man, you know how if, you know, we're all cool. Like, how can you let your, your man do that to us? You know, like, right. that's not cool, you know? Right. But then they see it as like, well, you know, you guys are, you know, you're not acting like like it's a business. You're acting like on some street shit. But you know, you disrespect somebody's mom. You know, that's yeah, that's what's gonna, what's gonna happen. happen. Right. Yeah. We're not I taking mean, you to court on that. Right. We're yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We're coming from the fucking shoulder. On Dude, that anybody one. should understand that when you right, involve sure. the mom, anybody should understand the that. That shit was whack. So we fucking uh, got off that tour, and by then the song was ginormous. Yeah. Right. Like, undeniable worldwide. yeah we we're like fucking when then we started going to other countries went to japan the kids went crazy but in japan the craziest thing is that when the kids the music starts they know to just go buck wild and as soon as the beat cuts off they're just like this under control military discipline quiet and within like the painted lines like right. they won't cross over right yeah, like there's like smoking sections at the at the metro station everyone's got equal space on there's the like arm. a box painted on the ground and you can't step on the paint or step over the paint if you're smoking a cigarette in the box it's just unheard of you don't jaywalk there you don't do everything everything is about is. follow the rules and respect and you get there and you're kind of like like it taught me a lot like, <laughs> you know here is like the wild wild west you do whatever you fucking change lanes in between the carpool lane and the fast Hell lane yeah. all we day say, long hey, you go over the double yellow lines nobody gives a fuck they got a posted speed limit 65 but everybody knows you do 75 80 yeah minimum minimum you know like it's just like known here. You know, you just do whatever you do until you get caught. Right. Go in the fucking carpool lane by yourself until you get caught. Right. And when you do get caught, you're like, ah, no, no big deal. I've done it a hundred times. I got caught for Pay one. Fuck it. Right. There, it's all about respect. If there's a rule set, you don't break the rule, period. And that's kind of how when you go to a concert, that's how it is. Like, they just... They know, okay, when the beat starts, go fucking buck wild. That's the rule. When the beat stops, you just... Stand at attention. Until, yeah, wait. You listen to what the guy says. Like, you know, we're over there talking in between <laughs> songs and shit, and they don't understand us. But when the songs would come on, they knew every word. Mm -hmm. And then you Phonetically. Try to, yeah, you try to talk to them after and be like, hey, you know, how's it going? Like, what's a cool club to go to? And they'd just be like, huh? You yeah. Know, and, but Does you were, you yeah, but you were watching them sing the whole song. They just know it phonetically. They just know word. the sound. They just know the yeah. sound. And and you know what? Okay, so let me. This is a good point for me to kind of like set the scene because I'm before, so. All right, so you fucking Beastie Boys back up their punk. You guys are off the fucking tour. It doesn't matter though because guess what? Jump around is a fucking hit. A big, right. full-breasted, fucking yeah. big-tittied hit. Nobody can deny it. No Nobody can deny it. And it's get and it's they're they're able to kick in the doors. And Esteban's getting is able to take advantage yeah. of a lot of opportunities during right. this. So now you got Esteban the I. 
His eye is open. He's going to Japan and he's bringing his little Santa Monica eye to like Japan or whatever it is. And he's seeing like opportunity. So he says, all right, Supermax Steve, lucky. This is your lucky day. He's like, this shit's bigger than Southern California. Than Melrose. Yeah. yeah it's okay. like, it's, it's, this it's makes on Melrose, a bigger level. This makes Melrose look like ginger beer. Now. Now listen, hold on a mm-hmm. second. All right. Wait. So what were you going to say? I was going to say, that's when... Um, I find out through some things that something fishy is going on and the Supermax thing, I end up having to pull out of the Supermax deal. Yeah, because? But first, first, I'll back up. When he was opening up the store, he was promised by Mark Fox that he was going to be the manager of the store. Crazy like a fox, Mark Fox. Right. And then I was going to, what what we negotiated with him before we even opened the door was, because I only got paid as a as a tour manager when I was out on the road. Yeah. But when I was home, I didn't make money. Right. So if we toured for a month and didn't tour for two months, that's two months I'm not working. Right. So we negotiated with Mark Fox before the doors even opened that Lucky was a manager and that when I would come home off a tour, I would have a job. Well, he would work I'd at have the a store. place to work. So me and Lucky would be working at the store. Right. Mm-hmm. The doors open, mm-hmm. and this guy brings in his little uh, nerdy nephew cousin. that looked like uh, Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. And that's yep, what we used yep, to call yep, him. Yep, he yep, was yep, like yep, yep, five yep. feet two, the same height as him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Red hair and freckles and the little Woody Allen glasses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had like a bowl haircut with his hair... <laughs> Uh, part in the middle. Yep. Yeah, you know where I'm from. They call they call somebody like that a fucking nerd. That's what they that from where I'm from. That's what that is. That's what it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we were like, what the fuck? Like we're trying to make this store cool, and it's about our culture, and it's authentic. And mm-hmm. then you have fucking Woody Allen is yep. the manager yep. and the front man at the that, cash register. Yes. He didn't trust us. He wanted. Yeah. He like was like the first culture vulture of this whole shit. And he was like, let me get this culture in here. Let me make a store of it. But I'm going to have my, 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 my relative spy on you. Make yeah, like sure. I, yeah. I don't All want right. that element watching my money. So he has uh, Woody Allen getting well, his money. Yeah, but like, what's Woody? I mean, Woody Allen, if you, the way you guys described him, didn't look like he could stand up to anybody if it came down. No, never. But no. He was, watch, he was the one taking every dollar, and he was the trustworthy family member uh, that yep. this guy could have getting his money. Yep. So once that funny style shit started happening, we were like, man, fuck this dude, you know, the fucking idiot, you know? Right. And then he was like acting funny with, with Lucky and he had promised him being a manager and me and Cartoon were like, oh, he's going to do the homie like that? Well, fuck him. So then <laughs> Lucky goes, hey, man, uh, we want Cartoon. I want, he, he tells Lucky, Mark tells Lucky, hey, I want Cartoon to do a second uh, season of, of artwork. And Cartoon was like, well, tell him I'm not going to do it because the way he did my homie. Right. So he, you know, he don't, he's not being the manager there. You have him like, you know, Willie Lump Lump. Fuck him. I'm not doing the second season. Right. So Lucky goes back and tells him, hey, Cartoon don't want to do a second season. He goes, why not? He goes, because, you know, he don't, he's not vibing with you. So he was like, well, what did he say? Like, well, tell him I'm going to, uh, when I see him or some shit like that. Or Yeah, it kind of like was something to the fact that, you know, that guy, you know, he had something for him when he saw him. Like, what? He ain't a tough guy or something like yeah. that. <laughs> he was real cocky. Yeah. Mark he Fox. didn't threaten him. He didn't threaten him. No. But he just made it out like, you know, he said something smart ass 
about cartoons. Was Mark Fox a big dude? No. What the a, fuck was no. he doing? And so he I, was a, he was a you know air one every day, and he did yeah, like yoga. Yeah. Work yeah. Oh, he was gonna do the yoga yeah. kung fu on you. And then he was kicking it with Mickey Rourke. So you so know, he was he a tough guy by, by association. A tough guy by be sitting next. So to when he said when he says this to him, I go tell us cartoon. You know what he said, right? Yeah. And cartoon, and I'm like, you know, I, I got by that point in time, I wanted to stir some shit up. You know, <laughs> we're mad at that dude. Yeah. Cartoon's like, what, what? <laughs> like, yeah, dude, he said that. And so, and at this that, is at that time, you, just to paint the picture, Mark was going to the gym every day. He was uh, eating healthy, and he was like in fit. And then he was in the tough guy crowd. Yeah, and, and cartoon and, and cartoon Mark are the same was, size. Yeah, remember, cartoon was smoking cigarettes, eating pizza, <laughs> you know, drinking beers. He was on. A, he it. was on a different regime. Right, <laughs> but you can't get that fucked up and think that just because somebody looks a certain way or does a certain thing mean meaning they can get you know. You can push them around. You know? Look, looks ain't so, everything. So cut two. Yeah. One night shortly thereafter. Yeah. This is after the whole deal's already fell apart. Yeah. I'm up on Sunset <laughs> with Frank Ball. I just told you about Frank Ball that, and his son. But fucking tattoo, tattoo dude. Right. You weren't there though, huh? Yeah. The, well, I was in the bath. I w they he some I think he came up and goes, "Hey, Mark Fox is across the street." Street. <laughs> And cartoons like what? I'm going. Hey man, I go and I go. Hey, hold on, hold on. Let me go to the bathroom first. You yeah. Know? So I run in the bathroom and these dudes fly across the street. Right. I come out of the bathroom. And I'm looking at in front of the shop. We were at Tattoo Mania. Yeah. That's where we used to kick it every weekend. <sighs> I come out of the shop. I'm looking around. Going where the fuck are these dudes? I run across the street. Cartoons already breathing hard. Going, <laughs> knuckles are fucked up. And Lucky's all. I, I missed it. You missed it. <laughs> Oh my God! Cartoon knocked that fool from fucking sunset down to fountain. Yeah, he rocked up. Knuckles. Yeah, he walked up. To, we we walk across the street. Yeah, and cartoons like, "Where's this dude? Where's he at?" Where's that? And we point him out. I go, oh, "He's right there." <laughs> we walk right over to him. Cartoon's like, "Would you say something stupid? What'd you say about me?" And bombs on Mark. Mark's holding like something in his hand. He has his car keys. And bro, he, he must have hit Mark like 20 times. Oh. He beat him from one side of the street to the other side of the street. Like literally beat the dude from one side of the street. The like, as the dude was falling down. down, he picked him back up with another pit, with another punch. You know what I'm saying? So his keys went that way, his shoe went that way, his wallet went that way. I felt so bad. I'm helping the guy pick up his wallet and find his shit at the end and give it to him. And then, and, uh, and uh, you know, all that Air One and Jim shit went out the door. Right. And homeboy had both his eyes were cut open. Yeah. His nose was bleeding. His teeth were coming through his lip. He was just fucked off. Probably the most important workout he got in a long time. Yeah. The, Learned a lot. Probably. Defense mode. But but remember, Steve, this is also this is also after um, Shaw's people come up to the store. Yeah. Because I'm there closing one night and some Japanese people come up to me yeah. as I'm closing the store and they yeah. go, oh, we want to order more Supermax shirts. And I'm like, oh, you came in and bought some? I go, oh, no, we had some shipped to Japan. What? Big order. And it did really well and we want more. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you, when did this order? Because I'm supposed to be getting a percentage of everything sold. Holy shit. So shit. you put two and two together. 
somebody was doing business behind my back and not, not telling me. me. Yeah. And they came to LA and real quickly they figured out, well, it ain't Mark Fox that's doing this brand. It's this guy. Right, of course. So uh, it was just another thing to add on. I don't want to get carried away with Mark Fox, but at that point in time. Well, what happened was the short, the store, the short story is the store closed and he moved to New York. <laughs> we kept making the Supermax shit, shipping it to Japan with Tanaka. Right. And that's what started us on a mission. But the Supermax thing, since the store closed, everything was closed, we started another brand called Not Guilty. Right. And it went moved right in with Tanaka and it took off straight to Japan and we that was we were on our way doing our own brand. We we approached uh Eric at the time, Everlast. Okay. We wanna make our own move. So Esteban's like, well, you know, Eric's you know the 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 song was blowing up and things were in a good place and Esteban was tied with him and Eric was down with us and it was the next, you know, I just said, what do you think if I just approach you Everlast with this not guilty concept? And uh, I remember me and Esteban were on Fairfax when it was still the Jewish area. No right. stores. Right. And came up with that name, not guilty. And we just were into it right then. And when it approached Eric, Eric was living in some type of apartment building right up on Sunset, I remember. And went upstairs, sat down. He's like, what's up? It's like, I got a brand, this and that. And that's when I uh, approached him. And uh, I, think, but I think Eric peeled out like, like an eight or ten grand. That's how business was done back then. All right, I'm going to need to make some T-shirts and that. So me, Esteban, and Eric went into business as not guilty. No paperwork, no nothing. Hold on a second. But uh, so Eric uh, Everlast, he understood as soon as you said the words not guilty, he got it right away. He wanted to do a brand because he had said when he was in Supermax story for. Yeah. He looked at me and said, hey, if you ever want to do something. Yeah. On your own. Yeah. Get with me. Right. So I remembered that. So we approach him. We do this thing. And me and Esteban, we start to put together not guilty brand. Right. Cartoon does a graphic. We're, we're having sh baby. We had a bunch of people do Mark yeah, Rude. Frank Ball, Mark Rude. Rude. We had all these different so badass. Like at that time, we, we were we were getting the Chicano imagery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we were getting the tattoo culture. Right. Uh, so we had all the best tattoo artists drawing for us, like all our homies in L.A. So we were like, there was already like con art and tribal clothing out at that time, mm -hmm. but they were more focused on graffiti. Con art was graffiti, right? Uh, tribal was graffiti and break dancing, and we were doing tattoo culture and and the Chicano, Chicano stuff. stuff. Right. Graffiti on the skin. There was no Stevan. There was no Chicano art. There was some swap meet. They might print something, but there was no Chicano brands no, clothing at all. Wow. All right, so this, okay, so <clears throat> you put Fox in the box, shipped him back to New York. Fox and in the box. You put Fox, and then, okay, so then, so you already went to Japan once, right? Uh, we went multiple times. Right, but I mean, so By you come back. By the time we started Not Guilty, it had already been around the world like two or three times. with. Right, but at some point, it was Lucky's first time in Japan. Yeah, with, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. now hold on a second. Now, dude, Luck. Before you go to, first of all, when, who told you, like, we got to go to Japan? The distributor oh. wanted us to come out, Tanaka. Tanaka. 
So Tanaka says, I want you to go to Japan. Did you instantly in your mind, you were like, oh, hells yes. Oh, big time. I hadn't been anywhere. This dude had. Right, but you hadn't. Mm-mm. Okay. And, and we were like going, and this dude was like, oh, we're going to get treated like stars out there. <laughs> They're going to take care of everything. Like, and I was buying into it. You All know? right. So then Tanaka's like, we got to go. We're, you're going to come to Japan, right? And you ain't never been anywhere before, Steve. So then... I mean, first and foremost. But I'm rolling with Estevan, who's been world touring everywhere. So right. He's so he's kind of lead. He's kind of he's kind of like yeah. Okay. And so then, when you pack, all right, what does a guy like Steve Lucky Luciano, who did some time in County, fucking fought with Zerga, the whole nine yard put. What is a guy like you like? How do you pack and like? What are you like? What do you do for a your lot first- of look? All that can you make sure that you have your cosmetics, but a lot of like. Brand new T-shirts and bright, just new sneakers. Right, you were not That's gonna you be go show up. No, you were representing. man. And I, we already knew that they were just loving the Chicano. Just they just liked all our gangster shit. Right. So we did just went bringing. Did you have like a giant suitcase? All of us did. Me, Polly B, rest in peace. Esteban, Joey Castillo, Paul Rossi. It was like we all went together and just showed up. Just clowning okay smoking so then, weed on the plane the whole, the whole <laughs> shit man. Oh, man don't run so fast don't go so fast mm-hmm. okay so you packed up sneakers. drugs and sneakers and what Levi's. okay like weed right yeah you're like you know what i'm going to japan and one of the things i got to bring with me is some fucking california weed we can't show up without any and weed. Polly b had to bring some california cocaine <laughs> I brought california weed and he brought california cocaine all right so then and what are you guys flying what do you remember the airlines Air Alaska or some shit? I don't know. Uh huh. And was know. it first class? Hell no, it wasn't oh. first class, dude. We didn't have like that. That's all right. But but the dude's buying tickets for all of us. How He's many? got us hotel. I think there's five of us. A flight to Japan ain't cheap. No, and this is when you could smoke. No, it wasn't. And you could smoke on the on the plane, dude. We're go ahead. Dude, we're smoking. Oh, uh, Paul, remember uh, Polly B fainted? Yeah, Polly B was. <laughs> we were sitting together, <laughs> and he was he. It was like a can, right? Right, he's he, using a he can. Made like a, a, a pipe out of a can that they brought us a soda with. This <laughs> <laughs> on a plane. So he's smoking the weed and he's like bending down and tucking like his head down by the by the window and he's like blowing it out on the floor and you could just smell weed like over the whole right. plane. And who are they going to look at? <laughs> right. Families, the Japanese people. It's all no. Japanese people or and like us. five. Yeah, yeah, know, it's, like, these guys are sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah, he's blowing weed in the, on, the, on the plane. And I was like, oh, fuck. And he goes, hey, I don't feel so good. I go, what do you mean? And he goes, I need to get up. And I was like, all right, we'll get up. You know, go ahead. And so I get up and I move and he gets into the aisle. As soon as he gets in the aisle, he passes out and falls on the floor. And, and the get, whole plane and I, shakes. And I get back. <laughs> I get back in my seat and I'm like, Kicking his feet, going, "Hey, man, like play it off, man." Fucking <laughs> over here, laying on the floor, and, shit, and he wakes up. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, what the fuck?" And I go, "Man, you're blowing it, Holmes. Like you're gonna get us fucking." You guys, you guys had the even pilots coming. Japan. Hey, the pilots coming out of the front, bro. They put it on autopilot. They're hey. trying to resuscitate the hey, guy. You can in the take aisles. the guy out the hood, but you know what they say. Yeah, so right. he's over there passing now, doing the fish on the floor, and we're like, going, "Come on, man, play it off." Let us get to Japan at least. Yeah, like you're fucking already. The whole plane smells like weed. We're the only ones that you could fucking think have the fucking weed. And now he's doing the fish on the floor. Right. And we're, I was like, hey, get up, fool. You're fucking 
man, we're going to get caught. Yeah. And sure enough, the people are coming back. Are you okay? Are you okay? What is that smell? What is that smell? What's up, all? This is Sound Guy Sean. Thanks for listening to our first episode with Estevan Oreo. Be sure to check back and catch episode two and see what kind of hijinks ensue as these characters take the streets of LA right into the heart of Tokyo. For more on Estevan Oreo, check out estevanoreo.com. And for more of us at Hard Luck, check out hardluckshow.com. Peace. 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 Peace.